and welcome to our very first piece of Patreon content for the doghouse. Hey, what's up, Bulldogs? All right, yeah, this is Diana, a.k.a. Mod. This is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And today we are talking about the 2001 Josie and the Pussycats movie. A girl group find themselves in the middle of a conspiracy to deliver subliminal messages through popular music. All right, yeah, 2001, $39 million budget, grossed about $14 million. Oh, no! So this movie did not do well. Hence why there were no follow-ups to this movie. Yeah, so we're going to do this like we do our movies. Typically, we're going to go through the movie itself, the actors... Uh, the soundtrack, and then we'll talk about it in relation to Riverdale, the TV show. So, you know, for any of you fans of you have Macintosh and Mod haven't seen, what? This is kind of a duel. It's a crossover for both of you. We're doing this specifically for our Doghouse fans. And especially you ones who want to know what, uh, what we thought the Pussycats would look like 17 years ago. Oh, damn. I feel old now. <laughs> so old. So old. Okay. So you had never seen this. No. I did, and I loved it. I had this soundtrack, and when we were watching this movie, I knew pretty much every single word to every song. I knew a couple of these songs. I feel like somewhere down the road, they got airplay. Somewhere. But they were, they. I mean, this album did really well. Yeah. So, this is great, and it's just fun. And there's a couple of songs that are just covers, so. And helps. I remember it kind of being a big deal... I don't know, like vaguely hearing about it later on, like, oh, this is actually a pretty good movie. You gotta go check it out. And I don't think it was just from you. It didn't do what they were hoping it would do. And I think they just, I think they didn't know what to do with this movie. I was senior in high school when this came out. So yeah, I was the exact audience for this. Well, uh, I can tell you, no, I think they properly rated it because this is not a great movie at all. It's not a great film, but it is a fun film. Uh, I would almost dispute that. Oh, no. All right, so let's start. Our writers and directors are ones that we have met before because it's a, it's a team. It's a Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. And previously, they did Can Hardly Wait, mm-hmm. which we adored. That's a great movie. That movie's amazing. I hand it to it. Defeats so many tropes of mm-hmm. high school movies. I mean, doesn't get all of them because it's 1999, but it does a pretty decent job of subverting those tropes. Hey, what's up to you? What's up to you, Dan and Kate? And how did they go so wrong with this movie? I think it's this part, in part the source material uh-huh. for them. And then I think it's the message they tried to give with those characters. I'm sorry, the message that they took a jackhammer and tried to somehow smash into our brains? Yes, but... It's funny. I, the message we're talking about is uh, consumerism. It, it's That's really what it is. And the brainwashing culture. So it's funny. Sort of. But there is a big problem with this movie. And it's not necessarily attributed to writing. Mm-hmm. It is timing. This movie, for as many jokes as it has, moves so fucking slow. Like, it takes whole like five beats for jokes to pay off well i think okay i think they should have not done alan m and i don't think they should have had the cabots i think we should have just had the three girls from riverdale and that's it i don't know i think they were actually kind of okay it really just was that everybody in this movie it it was like 
the director said, okay, you got to hold this so we can cut to the next part. And then the editor didn't know to make the cut on the scene so that the joke would play right. Maybe, but I just feel like whenever we have an Alan M scene or moment, and then we have an Alex or Alex moment, I just don't care. And it feels like that's what pulls anything that's happening down and diverts the attention away from what is actually supposed to be going on in the movie. Possibly. I mean, those were, they're, they're, Alan M in particular was such a hacky trope character. Yes. Of boyfriend love interest. And sensitive boyfriend love. The folksy hot singer. Which he's not hot at all. No, he's not. He's not even 2001 hot. Okay, so we don't love the writing, though some of those jokes are killer. They are, but by the time I got to them, I didn't care. Yeah. Now, I okay, there's one other issue, and it's nobody's fault. Uh It's that the closed captions were popping up. Before the joke hit. They were talking faster when they, in anything that's closed caption, if the dialogue is really fast, the captions have to roll quickly. But but the the flip side of it is, was the captions were moving faster than the characters were talking. Yeah. So the joke got revealed one beat before the joke was actually supposed to land. So that's part of the problem, was I knew what was about to come. Hmm. And the delivery didn't equate to the joke that popped up <laughs> which we can get into with another part of this hmm. but I, I i don't know i just left kind of going why do i care because it's fun except it wasn't that fun <sighs> it should have been more fun i wanted this movie to move way fucking faster it could have moved a lot faster like seriously it could. and then you could have put more jokes in yeah and I- you could have spent more time fleshing out alan m and foibles with him and the cabots and more foibles with them maybe like you with the cabots you could have totally had wayne level moments from wayne and garth or garth level moments excuse me okay they either needed okay they should have picked alan m or the cabots one or the other i don't know in any case it just doesn't work the way it's properly constructed okay so writing isn't the best direction is the bigger problem well also, this movie kind of looks like hot garbage. I know it's 2001. Uh, um, 2001 was hot garbage. Y- yeah. It was some severe hot garbage. Like, all of the clothing and that style, I'm like, yep, this all looks like it came out of the Delia's catalog. Delia's catalog, wet seal. Don't remember. I think Forever 21 was still ex- existed at that point, but, like, it's hot garbage. Well, and also, so they styled it like a music video. Yeah, if that makes sense. Some of it, but some of it, I... I, I felt like, let's do parts of this as a music video, the actual music video mm-hmm. moments, but then let's come back to reality a little bit after, and they just stayed with that color palette and style. Well, in the beginning, they're fine. Yeah. But then once they go off to Mega Records, they yeah, they look like that. But that's the point. From the second they meet Wyatt, they're being sold. They're a product. They're su- That's what they're supposed to look like. Yeah. I don't know. There's and, you also, know, Melody never wears a whole shirt. I guess in the entire movie. So the other, <laughs> the other thing about this is, it feels like they couldn't decide whether they wanted this to be a movie version of the '70s cartoon mm-hmm. or whether they wanted it to be its own thing. There's definitely a weird line in there. And there's so many just ridiculous cartoony slapstick moments that then don't match what the girls gave us, which was yeah. a little more grounded. Yeah. And 
punkier, grittier performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going, ah, this is this is like my least favorite Alan Cumming performance. And he's still pretty fucking amazing, but he's not very good. He, and it's not his fault. I hate his hair. His hair really bothers me. I hate his accent. Um, he uses that accent a lot. I, I don't like him as British. I like him as American or Scottish. Either give him his actual accent or make him American, because his British is just annoying. His American movie. is really good. I love, again, I love him as E.L.I. Gull, which, ha 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 ha, Parker Posey and Alan Cummins played uh, former husband and wife on The Good Wife. <laughs> that always makes me happy. So that brings us to our cast, right? Yeah, we gotta go to our cast. Okay. So we start with Rachel Lee Cook. We have previously seen her in She's All That. That was her other big... Big in which we covered as our double feature with Can't Hardly Wait. Yay, crossovers! Why is she constantly twitching? I don't, I don't know. Uh, 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 line! <laughs> maybe it's because they had to put her on, like, giant platform shoes to be in the same frame with Rosario Dawson. Fair point. But that, <laughs> that's so many of the timing issues. Honestly, it's her. She's the lead of this movie and has to carry it. And every reaction shot of her... It takes, like, three beats too much for her to react to something somebody else does. Well, they made Josie, like, a hot mess. I'm Instead okay of, with that. No, it, it, to have moments of being a hot mess, but Josie is supposed to be, like, have this can-do spirit. It's just, you know, she could doubt herself for sure, but she's just like, we're in a band, and I love my friends, and, like, she should have been more of a rock. I understand it. in subverting what was done with the cartoon. Again, they can't decide whether or not they're going to be comic book Josie Mm -hmm. or this new idea of Josie. And if it's a new idea of Josie, I'm okay with her being insecure. And this kind of, this kind of girl next door who wants to play in a band. That's the thing is they never solidified that. Mm-hmm. Is she Josie from the comic books? I'm the leader. I'm the tough girl. Or is she, I'm an artist and I'm internalized and I'm not really sure who I am. Pick one. Yeah. And they didn't. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cause like I said, I'm fine either way, but then let's have her be that. And then let's enjoy the rest of the movie based on that. Yeah. She was just, uh, I don't have a problem with Rachel Lee Cook. I have a problem with Josie. I know. By the way, Doghouse fans, I want to start a petition now. Let's have Rachel Lee Cook be Jughead's mom. I think that would be really fun. Right? That would be fun. I'd be okay with that. I thought about Rosario Dawson, but A, that would cost way too much money. And B, I don't really see her as the right fit for anybody in the show. I don't, yeah, I don't see her as the right fit for that world, but Rachel Lee Cook could do it. She could oh, do yes. Uh, moving on to Rosario Dawson. This was one of her first big films. She's so pretty. She's just so pretty. <laughs> she is. She's a wonderful smile. She's still not quite fully into her acting self yet, I feel like, with this movie. She was still very green. She's feeling some stuff out. So there are times where I really like her. I think she's much better when she's getting to just chat off and be kind of snarky with the other two. Mm -hmm. When you ask her to try and take up a whole scene, it's kind of, it kind of falls flat. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't like her wimpy. Nobody thinks I should be here. I liked it when she was angry because that felt more natural. 
Well, that feels more Rosario Dawson. Prob- that's that's pro- part that's of it. That's probably it. And then part of that is the writing. That's not yeah. her fault. That's exactly what they made mm-hmm. Valerie out to be in this movie. Yeah, but Valerie could have been played by some other people. Oh, that means... We get to play. Who could have been better? I hate it when you sing that. Love it. I'm going to keep doing it even worse I, every I, time. I have three awesome women of color who were up for this role well lay it on me Aaliyah. okay I'm, I'm i'm gonna show my my stripes here i don't know enough about Aaliyah to make a judgment one way or another <laughs> i hang my head in shame for you poor hey. little millennial david look i'm sorry this was <sighs> it's not my bailiwick okay 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 i didn't come along until atlanta rap had become a big deal okay lisa Left Eye Lopez. I feel like Left Eye had been around for too long she, at that she point. Had, I think she would have been too old. Yeah. She would have been a little bit too old. Just a little. And and I'm not, I mean, uh, look, yeah, anybody I'm, can I'm, play anything. I'm not calling so anybody old, but I'm just saying. Who the hell knows? It was just, TLC was such an established mm-hmm. group. It would have been focused In fact, past established by this point. It would have been really focused pulling. Um, But our last option, you definitely know this person. Miss Beyonce Knowles. Yes, please. The casting people and the directors thought she was too quiet and shy in her audition. I can, I can believe s- that. I could s- back in two thousand one. I believe that she did not come into her own until. I mean, she did gold member and some of that stuff, but honestly, the Sasha Fierce thing was the slash back at that. Mm-hmm. And well, since after then, Sasha, after um, gold member and Dream Girls, Dream Girls, yeah, because. Man, they tried to act like she was the lead in Dreamgirls. It's like, oh, fuck you, honey, no. Yeah. It's not your movie. But then... You're great in it, but it's not your movie. Sasha Fierce happened, mm-hmm. and she hit that out. And since then, she has transformed from the the girl-next-door singer type the sweet to the... member of the girl band to, like, this force to be reckoned with. Beyonce would have been interesting. But I, I really do like that... With Rachel Lee Cook, who we already had as part of this teen hive, and then we also have Tara Reed, that we got somebody that we didn't know yet to yeah. play Valerie. I think that was a wise decision casting wise. Well, also they they needed a person of color because Valerie has always been a black girl. Yes, and so there's no way around that. Well, it it would have not been good for them if they had not done that. They could have made... In 2001, it would have been bad. In 2001, if you could have switched the race of anybody, but somebody needed to be a person of color. Yeah, still. It just made sense to, to keep the character the yeah, same keep, way. Yeah, if, if you're going... At this point, if you're going to do a live-action version of a cartoon comic, you need to try. Also, she looks really fucking good with the bass guitar. Oh, she does. Hell yeah. <laughs> she looks very comfortable with that. And I will give credit, Rachel Lee Cook looks pretty awesome playing guitar. They all did a really good job of faking. Okay, I guess you don't feel that way about Tara Reid. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about Tara Reid for like two seconds. Oh no, we can talk about her more. This is her best performance I've ever seen. So sad for her. But it's really fucking good. It is really good. I think if she'd have given it a hot second and realized... Huh, I can be kind of a Marilyn Monroe type mm-hmm. because she's not just a ditzy airhead in this movie. She's no. a silly, oblivious girl. She's not oblivious. She's just so on her own wavelength. Sweet and she's a Fluttershy. 
She, oh, not Fluttershy. She's Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls is what she is. I don't know. Bubbles can kick your ass. Exactly. And um, what happens at the end of this movie? I I always forget that part. You're right. She did beat up Carson Daly. She's also a Pinkie Pie. Does have Pinkie Pie tendencies. No, she's she's totally just like, la 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 la. Like, the way she gets hurt at the end Mm -hmm. is about, you know, when Josie finally turns on all of them. It's not about her career. It's about puppies. Josie, don't do this. We need to stick together now. Oh my god. Melody's gonna cry. What's the matter, Snuggle Bunny? Finally realizing the world isn't all sunshine and rainbows? Stop it. Not everyone gets a happy ending, Muffin. Stop it. And do you want to know what else? Puppies turn into dogs who get old and die. It's the greatest. <laughs> she's really fucking good in this movie. She is. She is great. Like when she's running around, like I could be in here, and then I could be in here, and then I'm gonna be in the bathroom. Like it just keeps going, but it's funny because she plays it off as so genuine. And I, I, there's this alternate universe. I was like, what if Tara that clicked in her mind, and yeah. she was able to get those kinds of roles? Because she did too many fuck drugs yeah she did so yeah i mean because she melody could have easily been an annoying write-off character and she's not she's not and they i mean she is a joke to a degree she is not a part of like the super main action but you still care about her she's the comedic she's the comedic relief in the group exactly and she actually pulls it off yeah she does and she's funny like the whole thing like i want a big mac but you're a vegetarian. I want a Big Mac. <laughs> like, that is so funny. And of course, she'd be the first person to react to the secret message. Also, I think the funny part is the joke about her being that way mm-hmm. isn't really that, you know, she's blonde or anything. The joke is she's the drummer. And the drummer's yeah, always the, dumb. The drummer's always dumb. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah. I like that, that they went with the she's dumb, but it's it makes sense because it's the drummer is yeah. dumb joke. Instead of she's the blonde airhead girl. And she's not that icky high school stereotype they make her in in every other movie. Where she's just annoying. Now I will say, her drum playing is atrocious. Really? She does not keep a beat. I watch her on screen and can tell she's not playing the fills the same way. Like it was like, no, you, you don't pull it off. None of these actors did their singing or their music playing no but you do have to fake it and she just she could not pull it off the other two looked perfectly fine i guess i don't care because i really like the songs that's fair right i just do and the only reason i say it is because it did catch my eye like it was it was bad enough to me that it was like oh i can tell yeah but i really liked her in this movie yeah she was fun Uh, she was a lot of fun and it was refreshing because normally you just dunk on Tara Reid in anything she's in. Yeah, she's just kind of there. <laughs> All right, next we move on to Gabriel Mann, who played Alan M. Womp womp. Uh, he did a lot of TV before this movie, but this was like his first big like movie, like big. Um, he went on to do, he was on Mad Men. He was in four episodes of Mad Men. He played Arthur Case in season two. Uh, and then he was on Revenge and he's on Ray Donovan. So he's he's doing fine as an actor. He's making his money. What he's so forgettable. Ever. <laughs> and you just don't care. And he's not 
he's not cute enough for me to be like, of course everybody loves him. That's the hottest guy in Riverdale. Fucking hell. The reason to leave. Also, we've seen what Riverdale looks like now. Hell no. What Riverdale looks like now. <laughs> but, I mean, come on, people. Yeah, I mean, he is pretty forgettable. Uh, then we have uh, Paolo Costanzo as Alexander Cabot III. I wanted more. He is actually really underutilized. I This guy, you saw him previously in Road Trip. He was in the Road Trip movie with... Uh, I, I saw him previously? People. I meant people. There you people, go. People would have previously seen him in Road Trip. And then after this movie, he went on to do 40 Days and 40 Nights, that movie with Josh Hartnett, Hartnett, whatever, movie jail boy. And then he was on the TV show Joey, The Expanse, and uh, he was on Royal Pains and Designated Survivor. So he's doing a lot of TV as well. I like him a lot. I like him. I just, there's nothing for his character to do. And it's very frustrating because I want more from him. Mm-hmm. Like he could have been the Seth Green level character a la Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, he, I mean. But I, they don't give him any time on screen. He's just, they use the Cabots to be their personal link to the brainwashing victims. That's it. Which is so dumb because they're so fucking funny. Oh, they they were funny, but I wish, like, he should have been at the bowling alley. He should have been there. He should have been overly involved in their lives. It would have been much funnier if he wasn't spacey and mm-hmm. missing everything. Yeah, that would have been better. Well, then we get Missy Pyle as Alexandra Cabot. Uh, she's done a million, th- like, small TV spots before, and she's gone to, to do a thousand movies since like you know missy pile she's an academy award nominated level films at this point yeah she's i mean she's got cameos galore she's a character actress she's amazing yeah she's a go-to and this is just another one in her list uh she's great yeah uh i mean she's annoying she plays she plays what was written very well and has the best meta line in the whole fucking movie you know what I still don't understand why you're here. I'm here because I was in the comic book. What? Nothing. <laughs> I, I remember dying laughing in the movie, because I saw this in the movie theater at that line. I'm like, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a great line. It is great. Uh, then we have Alan Cummings as Wyatt Frame. I'm so disappointed with this performance from him. All right, well, the, in, in his uh, filmography, this was after Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, but before X-Men 2. That I did see. I've seen both of those. Have a Romeo and Michelle day. You need to see that film because I think you would love it. I'm sure I would. Because it is great. No, this is this is just not... He, they made him the cartoon character and it was really frustrating after a while. Because he tonally didn't fit half of the stuff that was going on in his scenes. Like, we're trying to have a relatable moment between the characters and he's there yucking it up as a cartoon character. He should have been more two-faced. Yes. We should have seen, uh, oh, this is how I am with them and this is how I am by myself. Like, we should have known about his secret identity. And it's so fucking obvious that he's the bad guy that you're half the time you're going like, why the fuck have y'all not figured out that he's Well, you know he's a, a bad, bad guy. Dude. But we should have, it should have been, we should have seen him, like, not being British. We should have seen that he has a secret identity. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and that would have been that would have worked better. Uh, then we have Miss Parker Posey as Fiona. Okay, uh, this is where that timing issue really hit hard for me. Well, this was after Best in Show and A Mighty Wind. Yes. 
Um, so she is coming off two of her super big improv movies. I mean, she was... None of these actors can improv. Well, also, Parker Posey, like, is a super... Was an indie darling throughout this entire time. Like, that was her she, big Yeah, she thing. still was. No, I remember. I um, remember Party Girl. Hello. I kept thinking, I want Elizabeth Banks instead. Yes. This is the type of role that she does very, very well. And not because Parker Posey couldn't do it, but because I feel like Parker Posey... All of her jokes were left just hanging in the air every time she delivered them. Well, I have a little note about that. Really? So, in her character's her character's problem is that she used to have a horrible lisp. Yes. Originally, it was that she was super, super fat. Okay. Which makes sense with the food jokes that they make. But Parker Posey said, I don't want to do that. Can we have her have like a lisp or something else instead? Yeah. And they're like, okay, fine. Love it. Well, I, I do appreciate that that was the change, but they should have fixed those jokes. They should have had more instances where she's tripping up on her words. Uh, yeah, because we like, only have one. We only have one and it's with the girls. When she is giving that big speech to the investors of the big corporation, which is giving that tour of the facility, she should have tripped up on her words and gotten super embarrassed. Well, it's either that or when she turns away from them, like when she's being like, nice try, that's when she should start lisping. Yeah, that- And then at one point, you know, after the third time we do Mm -hmm. that joke, because guys, it felt like they were going to go five deep. I was really freaked out it was going to keep going. But- what they should have done was have her lisp, and at least on one of them, somebody goes, do you have what, a lisp? What did you say? Do you have a lisp? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? No. Like, that... there should have been some more recognition of it, so we could have had more bits with that. Yeah. They should have, I mean, and they should have eliminated those jokes you made about weight and the food, because it wasn't necessary. Because then it, they were dropped. Yeah, drop she line. just, they edited her performance so badly. Yeah. So now we get to our random people of note. Our pawns. Our pawns. We start with Carson Daly. <laughs> uh, Mr. Host of TRL. He's very silly. Yeah, he, him and Tara Reed started dating when they met on this oh, film. Oh, no. Yeah, they had broken up before the movie actually premiered, but yeah. Uh, we have Aries Spears of Mad TV. From the lesser second run cast of the show. Yeah. Uh, then we get Justin Chatwin. Uh, he is the male fan at the beginning of the movie, talking about du jour. Okay. Uh, he has been in a lot of television. Uh, he had a little arc on Weeds. He's had a big deal on Shameless and Orphan Black. Uh, so this was his film debut. Okay. I mean, other, other people who are fans of the show will know who he is. We get Alexander Martin. He plays Les in the band du jour. <laughs> you will recognize him as the foreign exchange student from Can't Hardly Wait. We have Donald Faison as DJ of Dujour. Wait, 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 what? Donald Faison, who is also in the band of Can't Hardly Wait, and is Donald Faison, and he's amazing. This feels like it's going to be a running bit with every one of their movies, which, you know, uh, they don't have that many movies. This is the last movie they wrote and direct. Yeah, I can kind of understand that, because it, you know, didn't recoup half its money. <laughs> uh, then we have Seth Green, who plays Travis of Du Jour. Hey, Seth Green. Also in Can't Hardly Wait, as Kenny. Then, of course, we get uh, Brecken Meyer as Marco of Du Jour, also in Can't Hardly Wait. Also, at the time, was married to Deborah Kaplan there. They have since divorced. And last, and certainly not least, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds. 
<laughs> in a very ridiculous cameo. Yeah, he plays the chief in the Behind the Music uh, VH1 episode that Valerie is watching. Captain and Tennille yeah. and the chief. Which is so fucking stupid. Okay, we have to talk about DuJour. Because we didn't talk about DuJour. They are the boy band that gets killed at the beginning of the movie. Sort of. Well, they're playing us down. Yeah. I'm sorry, but their song is amazing. myself asking is this super problematic now like is this actually funny at the at the same time as i was giggling mm-hmm. i was also wincing mm-hmm. because now i don't feel like this joke plays as well cuz you the question you have to ask yourself is is what's funny about this that it's an explicit song or is what's funny about this that these four dudes are making a gay joke no i no that's not what's funny What's funny is that they're sending up the boy band culture, which is still super heavy at this point. And then they're also singing this song that is clearly about anal sex. Yes. And everybody, it's like nobody understands that's what that means. And I don't care if it's taken in a heterosexual way or homosexual way. I don't, whatever your bent is, I don't care. What's funny is I don't think anyone realizes that that is what they're talking about. Yeah. They're they're trying to pretend like oh he's he's coming through the back door of my heart or like <laughs> like he's he's my lover on the down low but then you add into the fact that he keeps saying back door and you're like huh huh I mean I, again it's a good joke it just thinking about it it really did strike me as a okay I've, I, I'm not sure how to feel about this now. I think it could be taken in a really wrong way. It just struck me as possibly a little insensitive. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Especially based on the culture of that time. True. And the amount of just gay jokes they were willing to make at anybody's expense. Well, that's where the male fan is the problem. Because he's like, I love them, you know, like bros. Yeah. That's where it's like, clearly... They're making the gay joke with him. Yes. That he clearly is in love with his guys. And even if he doesn't, I don't, I don't care, but that's where it's more problematic. I think the song is just funny. I wanted them to play it more straight. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like the comedy I, I get better. I think it would be even funnier and fucking more hilarious if they weren't hamming it up mm-hmm. and they were like deadly serious about this song yeah. and performing it and... Well, the see, craftsmanship of it, because they play it, they mug a little bit too they much They do for mug me. a little bit, but I, again, I think that's the whole boy band aspect of this. I mean, maybe, but it just, it played, it didn't play as that. It played to me as these four, these four dudes are mugging for the camera right mm. now and just being silly. 
and I would have really, I, I would have enjoyed it that much more if they were really dead serious yeah. in boy band mode. Okay, I think that's fair. Hmm. All right, well now we have to talk about the girls' songs. Now, do you know who did the vocals for Josie? Who? One Kate Henley. You might know her as lead singer of Letters to Cleo. A.K.A. Ben Wyatt's entire huge music crush of all time. Yeah, no, she's great. I love her voice. And what's really nuts is that, well, this movie did not do very well. No. The album went certified gold. Makes sense. This, this album is great. So, the songs are fucking good. And another really great point about these songs, a lot of them were written by Elfa and Kaplan in conjunction with our music supervisor, Mr. Babyface Edmonds. Hence why he has the cameo in the movie. Exactly. So, I mean, the songs, most of them are pretty good. That's what's kind of crazy to me. It's a testament to how good Babyface is as a songwriter mm -hmm. because... Elfont and Kaplan, I think you could clearly say they wrote the lyrics. And then Babyface's music supervisor probably did a lion's share of writing the actual music. Mm -hmm. But this is a dude who's known for being an R&B producer. So it makes total sense that he would write something like Backdoor Lover. Yeah. But for the rest of these songs, I'm like, okay. Okay, Babyface. You can write a, a fucking girl punk jam. I like it. <laughs> All right, so let's go through the soundtrack because it was a big deal and it's a really big part of my love of this movie. Okay. So we're going to start with three small words. So this is the song that they play to introduce us to the girls. So we get a lovely montage of them doing their thing around town. Josie's working like three jobs. Val's super into volunteering. She also works at like a shoe store. And then you've got Melody, who is Miss Activist Girl. And, you know, honk if you love hugs. Honk if you love pussy. <laughs> Cats. <laughs> yeah. This movie is low-key dirty. Yeah, there is a version on the DVD that takes out all of the sexual references. There's a ton in this song. Holy I know. Shit. Yeah. I'm a 10 cent thrill ride. Won't you come inside? Okay. But seriously, for a PG-13 teen yeah, movie, there's, there's that's a, a bit much. There's a lot of sexual references. And I just wonder, how the hell did they get away with a PG-13 on this instead of an Because R? they don't say any bad words. Ah. And they don't use any actual words for sex. The MPAA is so fucking dumb. All right, well, there you go. Next, we have Pretend to be Nice. Everything in my life would be alright 
song that's playing as they're rising to fame. I love this song. It's so fun. To I think me. it's I think it's great, but the little breakdown right before they jump back to the verse just bothers the shit out of oh, me. Oh, see, I love it. I think two times and be done jump back to this song because there's such a good energy to it that you're literally just cutting it off at the feet there. Because you don't like the can you just pretend to be Well, there's also this like, I'm a baby whispering to you, mama. I'm like, come on, fucking get on with this rockin' ass song. I want the rock! <laughs> okay, next we get Spin Around. concert at the end this one's fun it's just a catchy rock song this is a remake and i cannot remember it for the life of me this is the exact melody of a green day song off of dookie or mm. maybe insomniac like literally the riff is exactly the same especially from the chorus i swear but i cannot remember the name of the damn song I'm no help with that. This is gonna fucking bother me, man. Okay. You can figure it out, put it in our notes. Okay. I'll have to do it later. I was just like, oh man, note for note, this is the same thing. But not in a bad way. I love the live take of this so much better. I think all it is is crowd noise over this version. Yeah. But... The way it's shown in the movie is really well done. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. They did their concert really well. Especially with the giant screen. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Next, we get You Don't See Me. song on the album i can't help it i was 17 Uh, i can't help it i'm sorry i can understand like (sighs) a connection to it and i totally get that it just kind of feels like treacly ballad pop to me well i like treacly ballad pop hello you've seen my cd collection it's sad it feels a little more generic than the usual stuff like this one feels like the least original of the songs they put together, mm-hmm. except for the covers, which obviously aren't original. Yeah, just listening to them now is just like, uh, I don't know. It could grow on me, though. I could totally, okay. I could totally grow on me. This is a song that I feel can and should show up in the CW Riverdale. Hey. Mm-hmm. Bring it up, guys. It would, it would make total sense. It would be a fun in-world joke and also work very well for a number of different stories. 
Also, can Josie pick up a guitar and play one of the other rock anthems? Because it would be so fucking awesome. Just don't do milkshake again, please. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair, I almost fell out of my chair laughing because it was really fucking funny. Oh, it was fun. That was great. Uh, All right, next on the album, we have You're a Star. song i mean it's in the same vein as their other ones it's very good it's fun it's poppy it's you know whatever i was scrolling through the comments apparently letters to cleo is basically the entire band yeah like it's their final drummer of the band Mm -hmm. her husband the guitarist and her on vocals yeah they basically did everything but the you know she she did all the vocals she gets the credit for that it's just like oh okay it's actually letters to cleo being josie and the pussycats I'm 100% okay with all of that. Ben Wyatt must have adored this movie. That would have been the greatest thing if he had, like, a closet that was just filled with Josie the Pussycats memorabilia. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Ah, oh, Parks and Rec, you missed one. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It was in early 90s. It's a very specific genre for him. <laughs> all right, next we get Shapeshifter. so progressively meh as we go along here. Well, this one was actually written by just Kate. Because this is basically just letters to Cleo writing a song for the soundtrack. That one is, for sure. Well, it feels like that. Alright. Next we have I Wish You Well. grunge for one yeah it's kind of a meh really i actually dig that a lot i don't like that one at all you don't like grunge i'm just convinced now you don't like subverted chord structure and you don't like giant heavy riffing Uh, somebody pointed out and this is a song now i can actually reference for this one okay because they put it out there this is very similar to nirvana's been a son the Mm. intro especially I can hear that. All right, next we have Real Wild Child. Well, I'm just out of school, like I'm real, real cool. Gotta dance like a fool, get the message that I gotta be a wild one. Ooh, yeah, I'm a wild one. Gotta bring you loose, gotta keep it moving wild, gotta keep it swinging, baby. I'm a real wild child. I prefer. 
prefer the original. Well, fucking Iggy Pop is amazing. It was on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Yeah, Iggy Pop's amazing. Yeah. He writes a hell of a fucking song. They they use it really well. It's meant as an interstitial piece, so I understand why they played it the way they did. Or actually, it's not even interstitial. It's during the fight scene. One of a, one of the fight scenes. But in any case, it plays really well for that. It's just With not how- a, necessarily a great cover of that song. No, no, it's not. Next we get... Come on. Better make up your mind. Are you in? Are you out? Shake it up. Shake it down. Wanna scream? Wanna shout? Give it up. Get it on or get out. Come on, come on. Another of our overtly sexual songs. Oh, I missed that entirely. You, you didn't listen to the lyrics? Uh, the way I, I'm looking the... for a real good time tonight. <laughs> are you in? Are you out? Make me scream. Make me shout. Yeah, I guess. The, the way I viewed it was way more of a, are you going to actually commit to this relationship or not? No, it's like a DTF. Okay. <laughs> That's what this whole song is. That's fine. It is what it is. Next we get money. That's what I want. The best things in life are free, but you can keep them for the birds and bees. Give me money. That's what I want. What I want. That's what I want. I really love this cover of this song. Boy, that's shitty. That's okay. so bad. Nothing beats the original. No, nothing beats the 80s remake. That's the best one. I I thought that was the original. I'm sorry. I first heard it in Empire Records. Like, I don't know. I'm no, not the it's music like girl. a it's like a '60s song. Okay, so that version that everybody wants to use in their movie, and they say yes, but they won't let them put on any soundtrack, is the best. By the way, the original, the '60s one, which is actually a damn damn good song. I have heard that. I think I want to say they used it on Mad Men, which makes total sense. I know where they used it. Where Tiny Toons Adventures. Ah, fuck yeah. Barrett Strong performs that version, uh-huh. and then the 1979 version from Flying Lizards with mm-hmm. two Zs. Yeah. I don't know, man. The 80s have some amazing, amazing music from some fucking weird bands. Okay, well, the 80s version is the best. I'm sorry. That was the first time I ever heard that song in an Empire record. So, yeah. But, but, yeah. No, no, no. That's the definitive. This version is Good. No, it's not. Shut up, you're wrong. It's so dumb. It's dumb. It's perfect for this movie. It's it is a dumbed down watery punk rock version of the original and doesn't even match the like pure cold consumer feeling of the middle one. It's not it just doesn't work for me at all. Sorry. I don't like it anymore. Okay. Alright, so next on the soundtrack we have Du Jour Around the World. <laughs> It's so backstreet. It's just so backstreet. The Lonely Island has done so much better. True, but they you know what? Really this have. came before the Lonely Island. I know, there's they would not have been able to find that niche correctly. But like 
that's that's my problem here is I've seen Popstar and that's all I want out of these movies to go to that level and they couldn't do that at this point. But you know what? I don't know that you could have gotten Popstar if we hadn't had a movie like this. Ah, eventually you could have. Eventually, yeah. Popstar was built off of Justin Bieber, so mm-hmm. let's like there's no way around that phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's just that thing of because I don't have the proper context. Mm-hmm. I'm left wanting more from that band. That's fair. And so it's just like, okay, well, this is fine, but it, and it is a good send up, but mm-hmm. it's not nearly as fucking funny as what Sandberg and the boys have been able to do. True. Skewering, skewering all eras, including those boy bands. Yeah. Mostly the 80s color me bad type stuff, though. Yeah. A little bit more. Well, next on the soundtrack, we have Backdoor Lover, but we already talked about that. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, we have the cover of the Josie and the Pussycats theme song. Josie and the Pussycats Long tails and ears for hats Guitars and Marshall stacks really great like just update cover of that song of that jingle so fucking good and again this is something that they could easily do on the cw of riverdale i know uh well okay josie and the pussycats have to be reborn right like you have to rebirth the band when that happens they're totally gonna have to play that theme and they're gonna do it i think they're gonna what they're gonna do is it's josie so Mm -hmm. it's going to be an r&b-ish beyonce or rihanna type version of the song that's what makes it so good is the sev- we, we listen to the 70s yeah. one to compare it. Mm-hmm. The 70s one is very funky and very different, and the lyrics match the period. Instead of guitars uh-huh. and Marshall stacks, which is what Kay Hanley puts in because they're a fucking punk band. Yeah, no, that it's works. It's guitars and high-heeled flats or something like that. I don't know. I think they could do a version very similar to the Kay Hanley and it work in-universe for them because one of the struggles that Josie has is that her father she likes the poppy music her dad thinks it's trash yeah but I don't it's not gonna be punk rocky it's gonna be her own thing but it's gonna have more of that up tempo but yeah no I think it's the perfect vehicle to help solidify if and when Josie and the Pussycats are reformed because it has to happen and, and if, if it, y'all want to, if it doesn't, you have to write Josie out. But also, if y'all want to fuck around with the key and chords mm-hmm. and really make it like minor key R and B craziness, mm-hmm. I'm totally down for that. If you want to turn it into a full on like Rihanna song, that would be kind of amazing. Yeah, they could go in a lot of directions with it. I'd be super excited about that. You're on notice, RAS. Get it fucking together. So, Justin the Pussycats, the movie. How are you? What What is your rating on this? We like to do a scale of one to five. How um, many How many kitty ears? How many How many uh long tails and ears for hats are we doing? Do they each count a half or something? I don't know how this works. <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, wait, it's my movie, so I have to go first. That's true. I'm gonna give it a three because it's just fucking fun. Oh, this is a, This for me is background tv oh like you know i will watch a sa- the same movie on a loop for a month i mean i've worn out amazon's uh logan lucky at this point oh no 
And this, this for me is that type of movie. I'll no, just no, wear it out because no. it's fun. It makes me happy. The movie is a two. That's fine. It's so not good. I mean, I'm, I'm not arguing any of that. It is competent. <laughs> but uh, for me, it's just fun. But it's also, I don't find it fun because I find it boring. It, all that okay. stuff we talked about with the writing and pacing. It's just like, it's boring to me. The soundtrack is killer. Okay. Which is probably why it gets a, a leg up from like a one, one and a half. So what you're saying is I can now bl- blast the soundtrack all the live long day. Yes, please. Because okay. it's very, very good. Just no Ashley Simpson. Just just this. Throw that garbage in the trash. Why? I just like two songs. <laughs> Why? It's just the two songs. I don't understand. It's, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, boy. Well, I think, I think we've picked this apart enough to satisfy both our movie fans and our doghouse fans. I will say Doghouse fans should totally go watch it for like a total different image of what Riverdale could have ever been. Hey, if you're listening to this and we're still on hiatus from between season two and season three, this is just a great, just uh, just something to entertain yourself with. True, right? Yeah. I mean. Good little taste. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta feed that beast. A little bump of Josie. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being our patrons. Uh, thank you for supporting us and helping us get to do more episodes like this. We have more coming in the future. Uh, we For the doghouse specifically, we intend to cover later on the graphic novel that the new series was based off of. And maybe, I don't know, we could watch some of the, the original cartoons. We're going to do some original cartoons. We're also going to hit Love, Simon, which was heavily, heavily promoted within the show and well, also produced I mean, by Greg Berlanti. Yeah. Uh, just uh, for extra context with that episode, per se. We're, we're going to have more Doghouse-specific content coming out soon. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. What's